We're doing this. It's a new episode of Wizards After Dark. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. And I'm here with the Celtics beat writer for The Athletic, Jay King. I am also doing this? You're doing this. Just in case you were wondering. We are both doing this. Unbelievable game. Well, unbelievable second half and overtime period. Celtics beat the Wizards 130 to 125. A lot of big lines. Kyrie Irving at 38 and hit two ridiculous shots to close out overtime, and one of them a game winner. Uh, John Wall had 34, 13 assists, six rebounds. Jeff Green. Jeff Green had 22 on 10 shots and played literally the entire second half and the entire overtime. He's become a Celtics killer out of nowhere. (laughs) And some fans would argue he always has been, even when he played for the team. (laughs) He was good during that playoff series against them. Yeah, he hurt them a lot in Game 7. and then When he also, I think, played the entire second half. I I cannot vouch for the veracity of that statement. Neither can I. Go with it. I can't either. I think that was the first time I've ever said veracity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what what else? Uh, Oh, Kelly Oubre had 20 at home which is a huge deal because Kelly Oubre has the most drastic home road splits for being the worse at way. Yeah, or for the, being worse at home. weird way. He's 30, the wrong way. He was coming into tonight, he was 37% from the field at home and 20% from three at home. And he was 47% on the road and 38% from three on the road, which makes no sense. That's wild. Yeah. That's, that, I mean, that's just a weird, unexplainable stat. Yeah, him and Eric Gordon have the most extreme home road splits in the league, and it's definitely a fluke. And I spoke to him about it with Kelly. And Kelly was even saying, like, Kelly Kelly spoke to it like, he has no idea. He has no clue why it is. But tonight, tonight maybe it's because it felt like a road game tonight because they were chanting, it was the saddest home crowd. There were MVP chants for Kyrie Irving at the end of the game. Like loud ones. There were Let's Go Celtics chants, and then there were Wizards fans that were trying to boo the Let's Go Celtics chants, but the Let's Go Celtics chants were actually louder. It was a weird, weird crowd. So there was, in the second quarter, there was this, like, let, there was this Let's but Go Celtics. But you're new to Washington, so you've never seen the Washington versus Celtics dynamic. Right. That's kind of how it goes. There, I would be new to Boston. There, it's true. There, there are always Celtics fans in D.C. that show up and get loud. Tonight was, it felt like more, though. Tonight was a different type of an environment. And, and plus, the game was really fun. So those fans were loud. And so the moment from tonight that kind of epitomized the Wizards season to me was so behind, we sit over the tunnel that the Wizards come out to the floor on. Yeah. And there was this section, small section of Celtics fans sitting behind us who started a Let's Go Celtics chant. It wasn't many of them. I don't know. It was probably like 40 people. If yeah, Maybe some more. It was like a section. It wasn't very loud. There's one dude in the section over, Wizards fan, who just starts screaming booze at them, thinking everybody else is going to join in with them. And literally... No one else does, and this small group of people just start continue to chant, let's go Celtics. Then this guy, this very persistent guy who is screaming boo, and when you're one person by yourself, a lot of people booing together really sounds sounds like a, like one a thing. One person sounds sad. Yeah, one, one person booing is like, 
what are you doing? You're just screaming the word boo over and over again because you don't like something? What an absurd thing to do. So this guy is just screaming boo. He then transitions it to a Let's Go Wizards chant. And he said, Let's Go Wizards, thinking that this is going to inspire the section around him and the other willing <laughs> Wizards chants in the building. And literally no one else joins him, and he just kind of gives up on it after, like, four Let's Go Wizard screams. That's kind of what the Wizards have been, right? And I think I think that's the analogy of the Wizards season. Although, I thought they played well tonight. Like, they, they played a good game. The Celtics just kind of are better. Not kind of, the Celtics even missing, the Celtics were missing Jalen Brown. They were missing Gordon Hayward. They were missing Al Horford. They're still better. It was a weird game because the Celtics were crap in the first half. And the Wizards were kind of crap, too. And then third quarter happened, and the Wizards were really, really, really crap. This is high-level basketball analysis. <laughs> and the Celtics came back from 11 down and surged ahead. And then Brad Stevens is like, watch this, guys. I'm going to play five guys who can't score at all. And we're going to go to them together. And... This is going to work. And it was uh, Brad Wanamaker, who never plays. Shemi Ojale, who almost never plays. Terry Rozier, who can score. Um, but also, like, isn't a guy who can really carry an offense, I think, by himself. And then Aaron Baines, who's just, like, a rugged defensive guy. And Tatum, I think, was the fifth. So he could score. But it was, like... Probably the worst offensive lineup the Celtics could possibly put out there. And then the Wizards came back. And then John Wall just became John Wall. That was probably the best John Wall has looked when I've watched the Wizards this year. And I've watched the Wizards way too many times. Way too I don't know why I've watched the Wizards so many times, <laughs> but I have. He, he, I mean, he was electric going to the hoop. He just turned it on all of a sudden. I don't know if that was his best overall game of the year. Yeah. Although I have to say by... So the Wizards' defense goes as John Wall goes. And the Celtics were bad in the first half, but the defense was pretty good. Yeah. And I thought it's because John Wall's defensive effort in a lot of plays by the Wall standards were okay. Like, he didn't just see a screen and be like, ah. <laughs> he actually saw a screen and was like, I'm going to continue playing even through the screen. Some guys, like, hit a screen and they hit the screen. And then once they hit the screen, they're like, Oh, I'm I'm done. You guys can handle it. John just sees the screen, <laughs> and he's like, "I think we're good here." But he was he was kind of going through stuff. He was getting up in guys every once in a while, and he obvious like he was he was second team all defense. Like what was it four years ago? He was second team all defense, which is crazy to think about with the way it's kind of deteriorated now. But like he is physically capable of defending when he wants to. Uh, and then you're right. So early in the game, the Celtics were helping. Yeah, and he was not getting anything going to the basket. It was all, like, right. a lot of mid-range jumpers. Yeah, and there, but he was at least facilitating a little bit. Yeah. He was racking up the assists, and the and Celtics were helping. It was so fun when the game, when everyone went small. When the yeah. Morris brothers were both playing center, and it was just all guards on the entire court, and John Wall was just getting dunks, and Kyrie was hitting bonkers shots. Yeah, that was and Marcus Smart was somehow corralling offensive rebounds. That was that was an enjoyable part of the game. I, I like all guards playing and no defense. I'm cool with that. Wall made some killer layups too. Like he was, you're right. He was 
the fourth quarter, so that's when the Celtics kind of stopped helping off the perimeter a lot. And when they did that, Wall was just like squaring up Kyrie, going straight to the hoop, and it was working. He was getting Aaron Bands to switch onto him and just taking Bands to the hoop and finishing with like an offhand layup or something like that or going off the wrong foot. And he had all these crafty – he almost looked like Kyrie on some of these. No one looks like Kyrie. But John's not like a crafty layup guy. He's he's a pretty solid finisher, but he's not a crafty layup guy like Kyrie is. But a lot of these were like crafty layup guy moves. And there were some great finishes that he had after – and he just looked so explosive – going by and he just looked so happy without those Celtics guys helping off of him because he got to shoot every single time and Beal was playing Beal did not play well tonight he was not good in that stress the Wizards needed it and he was going off I he was this was a good sign for them because he's had he's had the the bone spurs in his heel and he said after the game that the heel felt great, and that was a big change from the Cleveland game. And I know he was in a lot of pain then. He was in a lot of pain in Indiana when he didn't play. And uh, I, this was probably the best-case scenario for Wall that they could have had tonight. Yeah, especially down the stretch. Like he really, really carried them down the stretch. And it was just – and then he hurt himself, and it looked bad. And then he came back on and immediately went to the hoop again for another layup. Like, how the hell did you just do that, man? Like, you were just had to go out of the game, check out of the game with two minutes left. But if it, if it ain't broke, you play. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that was amazing. Just that was so great. If it ain't broke, and he just kind of looks. So yeah, so what you're referencing is a reporter asked if he was just playing on adrenaline because he said he was sore, and he said if it ain't broke. There was like this, he, he gave this look, like, if it ain't broke, you know the rest. Reporter said, don't fix it? <laughs> John said, shook his head, play. <laughs> just amazing. I love how he, he took a, a regularly used phrase. Yeah, just. <laughs> and just made it his own and acted like everyone should know. Everyone should know. It, it reminded me of that scene in Anchorman when, uh, when when Ron Burgundy is out to dinner with uh, whatever Christina Applegate's character's name is, and and she says, uh, you know, when in Rome, yeah, and he says, go on. <laughs> it really reminded me of that. Classic, classic. It was great. Uh, let's talk, I, how about those Kyrie shots, man? The so the essentially the game winner was like he stepped into a thirty-five footer. I think it was technically a 31-footer, but it was like, what in the world? With 10 seconds left on the shot clock, I think it was 17 seconds left in the game. And he's like, yeah, well, this will work. But the shot to me that was even more impressive was from the corner because Wall was right there, and he had to, like, loft it up in the air, and like, way more arc than he usually uses, and splash. When Ky- Kyrie just hits some ridiculous shots sometimes, it's like, what in the hell did that dude do his entire life so that he could get to this point where he hits shots like that regularly (laughs) to me like the craziest shots are the ones when a guy and I thought the first three was way crazier than the second one even though it was from a normal distance second one was so deep though it was so deep but like 
okay, you play basketball. I, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you play basketball a lot better and a lot more frequently than I do. But to me, the hardest thing is when you have to shoot and you have to change the way that you actually shoot it because the defender is is altering it. And, like, you have to change – everyone's got an arc that they are most comfortable with, that yeah. when you're just spotting up, that's how you're going to shoot it. When you have to change the arc, you have to reconfigure everything in your shot. And, like, the fact that he, he had to loft it so high – because Walt was right there, like, right in his face. You cannot defend it better without fouling him. Like, it was perfect. And he had to loft that so – it looked like a Jamal Crawford three. Was, like, he had to loft it, it so silly. high. It, it was, was crazy. It, it was nuts. It was off balance. Yeah. Totally off balance. It was – I don't know. How about Marcus Morris telling the truth after the game? Oh, yeah. Tell this quote. It, I, it went something like, we knew we just had to move the ball because if we moved the ball side to side, they were going to give up. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, that was what it was. Essentially. Which is a damning quote about your brother's team. Yeah, like, he's got some inside information about, there. It's a damning quote about anybody. But when you say that about your brother's team, you're like, yeah, well, my brother's team, we knew they'd, we knew they'd give up if we just passed it from side to side. That's all we needed to do. Yeah, I wonder how he could have possibly known that. <laughs> yeah, Marquise was like, yo, don't pass it side. Do me a favor. Don't pass it side to side. I mean, like. <laughs> he was like, okay, you know I'm not going to try if you <laughs> you give it to the other side. You know that's that's going to be the case. Marcus uh, Morris scared the crap out of me today. Why? I was walking to Brad Stevens' press conference after the game, and all of a sudden I hear super loud footsteps behind me. And before I can turn around, I just get smacked in the back of my backpack, like, like absolutely smacked. And, and I look to my left, and there's Marcus Morris just chuckling at me. <laughs> just f- physically assaulting. I mean, no, no. I, I, it, w- it, w- it wasn't like he, he did it to the point of hurt, but I had no clue it was coming, and it was just jarring to have a man just, just hit me in the back. And then... He enjoyed it and ran by and ran to the locker room and that was that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna plug something right now. Nice natural. There we go. Nice Our story. Thing. We wrote a story together. We did. We talked about it for a long time. We did talk about that for a long time. We talked about it for like at least a few weeks. Yeah. And then it took us like three phone calls to come up with questions. Yeah. I don't know why. It took but that's just because we're scatterbrained. Yeah. 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 It shouldn't have been so hard to come up with questions. <laughs> the questions ended up being really basic. Yeah, like... What was, was your biggest childhood fight? That. Yeah. Like, yeah, basically. Yeah. What would you change about the other person? What a... And neither Morris twin would change the other. I love that. Yeah, so Jay and I did a piece where we asked the Morris twins the same questions. Jacob was a Celtics, I for the Wizards, so it made sense. And then we put it out this morning and... We got a great twin stop story in there. You can that read that the on The Athletic. That, that was, was amazing. Best. That was amazing. Yeah, well, I won't even say what it is. You can go on theathletic.com, and you can read it. You can find it in, uh, on the site there, on the D.C. site, or on the Boston site, or I think on the general NBA page, too. Um, yeah, they wouldn't change 
anything. We both asked them individually, and they're like, no, I wouldn't change a thing. And we both have brothers, you and I do. Like, if you ask me what I wanted to change, you said this to me on the phone. And we're both really close with our brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would I would list so many things. And they'd all be joking things. Right. Like, I, I would list, like, things that my brothers would think would be funny. Right. But they're, they won't even do that. If you ask me... They refuse to disrespect each other, even in a joking manner. I know. If you if you say to me, like, if, I, if there was a journalist doing a story for some insane reason on me and my brother, what would you change about your brother? I'd be like, I would change the fact that he can't come into my apartment for more, and within 20 seconds not immediately take off his pants. <laughs> I would like him to wear pants in my apartment. <laughs> now I got questions. Yeah. <laughs> Why does your brother take off his pants when he gets because because my brother my brother <laughs> strong my brother just strongly believes that if there's no need to wear pants, then he shouldn't have to wear pants. So when he comes over to my apartment, so what, he's just in his boxers. Yeah, he just chills in my apartment. He'll just come over, and no matter I mean I shouldn't say no matter the context. If there are other people there, the Ted, pants will stay on. Ted Katz is weird, man. <laughs> the pants will stay on but when he comes over usually within like the first thing he'll do is he'll just he'll just be in casual conversation he'll just be taking off his pants and then I'll go straight to the couch that is an enlightening story about <laughs> see I'm I'm just taking opportunities to just yeah. crap on my brother right here yeah. I'm just I don't even up know if them. it's true it I, is true that like that's see that's that's something that you would share about your brother to to get at your brother. A hundred percent. Yeah. And he would he wouldn't even think it was funny. <laughs> I like how I'm telling this as if like this is a thing that I would say in public. Saying yeah, it on a you podcast. Are saying it in public. Uh what else we got from this game? We got I thought the the Wizards bench had some good moments. And I know the plus minuses don't look great. But the stretch at the beginning of the fourth quarter when they had Sadoransky and Ubre and Rivers out there, yeah, they really picked up the intensity. Like, they looked like a dead team throughout the third quarter. Yeah. They looked like a team that was like, yeah, we don't want to be here. This isn't – this sport may not be for us. And then those guys came in, reinvigorated the squad, and then John Wall came back in with his bounce. Yeah, so the third quarter, they got outscored. The Wizards did, 38-22. How many turnovers they have in the third quarter? Like nine? Seven, I think. Seven in the third? Yeah. They just And they were like sloppy turnovers, like yeah, really gross. bad turnovers. Uh, their defense was horrible, which was certainly linked to all the turnovers. It, like it was they just side-to-side passing. Yeah, and they came out. It was side-to-side passing. Got R- going for the <laughs> River's been doing this thing this year. He has not had a good year. I mean, don't get me wrong. He, and he had one point tonight and went 0-4 from the field in 19 minutes. And he's not been good this year. But he's been pretty good defensively. And he has moments where he's been good defensively on the ball. And he was good during that that stretch at the start of the, of the, of the period. Sadoransky, I thought, had a really nice defensive game tonight. And he's he can be good because he's, he's good guarding – guys who are smaller than him. Like, I think he's a better defensive two and one than he is a defensive three just because, like, that's when his length is a real advantage. When he's 6'7", covering other guys who are 6'7", it's just like he's just kind of just there. And he's not insanely strong. He's not insanely 
quick, but when he uses that length against smaller guys, he's good on it. And when he's in those bench units, he's able to do that. He's not playing next to Wall and Beal. He can be effective. And they got on, what was that run to start start the quarter? A, they outscored him by eight or something like that and took a one-point lead. And That was, yeah. Yeah, that was a big run. That, that was almost big won them the game. What did you think of Brad Stevens fouling with uh, the Celtics? So the Celtics were up 113 to 110 with 13 seconds left in the yeah. game. So they the reason why a lot of coaches don't is because yeah. then you might be able to lose, right? It's like you might be able to lose in regulation. You don't really think about, like, if someone misses a free throw and you don't get the rebound because that hardly ever happens in the NBA, I feel like. How often do you actually see someone miss and get the rebound? Do you think he missed it on purpose? No. No, I don't think so either. And it's like how often does a guy miss and his team gets a rebound? I think it's like six or seven percent of the time probably less than that so that chance is really low brad explained it that he thought the celtics having or the wizards having zero timeouts and the celtics having two would set the celtics up well to like prevail in a free throw shootout and give it make it so that the wizards didn't have a chance to tie the game or at least have like a reasonable chance to tie the game and it almost worked out perfectly for them. Like, if they had just gotten that rebound, it would have worked out perfectly. But they did not. And so I have – I don't know what the numbers say about what the best strategy is there. I know it seemed a little unorthodox to me to foul that early. Um, but also, like, they have the utmost confidence in Kyrie Irving. At that point, I think they were 21 for 21 from the free throw line. Like, Kyrie Irving probably isn't going to miss one down the stretch. So if you do get into a free throw shootout, like you're going to maintain the lead. It's just it backfired because Bradley Beal made a great, great play to tie the game. Celtics went 25 for 25 from the line. That's crazy. There's no analysis there. That's just a. That's a great. And they've they've been shooting ridiculous numbers from the line this month. Like really weird, really weird, how well they've been shooting from the line over this month. But, I mean, you look at who shot them, it's like Marcus Smart doesn't miss too many, even though he can't shoot from anywhere else. Kyrie Irving was 10 for 10. Marcus Morris, 4 for 4. Like, they had the, the right guys at the line. 25 for 25 is a lot, though. That's a lot. And especially in an overtime game that you barely, barely win. Yeah. Like, that's... That's, makes difference. that's a big difference. Um... Anything else you want to get up before we go? I think we're good. I thought offensive rebounds were huge. Oh, yeah. Celtics oh, offensive rebounds, yeah, I mean, talk especially about Marcus Smart's two in overtime. But 14 total. And, like, they had 14 more shots. Wizards have to do something about this, like, personnel-wise. They got to. Like, get Dwight Howard healthy or more? I mean, you can't just get him healthy. He's not he's not healthy and he's not gonna be healthy for a long time. Like they gotta do something. They are their defensive rebound percentage without Dwight Howard is like sixty seven percent. Which is horrendous. They're last in the NBA in defensive rebound rate. They have their defensive rebound rate with without Dwight Howard would be the lowest defensive rebound rate in the NBA in the last seven years. Yeah, that's not good. They are so since the 2012 Warriors, like they are, cannot get and a rebound. Celtics aren't a great offensive rebounding team They're at all. 21st in yeah. offensive rebounding coming into tonight, an offensive rebound rate. Like they, the Wizards can't get a rebound, and it's it's not just that. Like they play small. 
first of all, the Celtics were playing small for a good portion of the time where they're grabbing all these offensive rebounds, and, like, Marcus Smart is just getting in there and getting them. It's not just that. Wall doesn't box out at all, and he doesn't fly in for rebounds to get, like, you know, positive rebounds either. Um, you know, you see, like, Jeff Green doesn't really box out. Marquise Morris is interesting because, like, he's a tough guy, but, like, he doesn't do a lot of tough guy things. Like, he's not really a screen setter, and he doesn't really – he's not a rebounder. And, like, you look at the person – it's just a personnel thing. Like, it's not going to be fixed with schemes. It's not going to be fixed with just going and getting it. Like, it's it's not. Like, it's a personnel thing. Mahenmi. Who's not a very good rebounder. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just not going to be fixed. There's nothing you can do to make it work. They just don't have – rebounders on the team like you could put a really tall person who's not in the nba there but there's he's not going to help either he's not good enough he's not in the nba like I, I don't know what they can do there are a lot of centers out there who could probably be had for something but that's a move they got to make i'm not saying they have to make it tomorrow but at some point it's got to be something because you can't be the worst defensive rebound team in seven years you just somebody's got to be it <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's gotta be it. That's true. Someone's gotta play that role. Why not the Wizards? Uh, plug, plug your uh, your things. I guess you just plug your your most recent article. But tell everybody where they can find you. Everyone can find me at the Athletic. Just where they can find Fred um, at the Lockdown Celtics podcast, which is a beautiful, beautiful podcast, the greatest podcast ever created, including. Wizards After Dark. <laughs> and also at by J. King on Twitter. There you go. And uh, you can subscribe to the second greatest podcast ever created, Wizards After Dark. On iTunes, you can leave a five-star review. You can uh, you can actually write a review if you want, explaining how great it is, and that's the second greatest podcast you've ever heard, and that's, it's just that awesome. Um yeah, I'll be back on when they play next. They play in Brooklyn on Friday. I'll be there. I'll be in Brooklyn. I'll be at that game. I'll be podcasting. Got a guest lined up. I'll be talking to uh, hopefully another guest from The Athletic. Uh, and uh, I'll be back then. See you guys soon.